Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin, and each week we turn to God's Word and our faith so that we continue to live our lives in God's image. Although our teachings are based on the Bible, its wisdom is available to all people of all religions and people who profess no religion at all. So everyone is welcome here. Through the teachings of the Bible, we learn how to live out our relationship with God and with other people. Today I want to deal with one of the most basic questions of religion, or spirituality, or existence in general, and that is, who is God? Now if you've ever asked that question, you've probably found plenty of people willing to give you a definitive answer. But if you're like me, none of those answers has been totally satisfying. Now, there's a good reason for our dissatisfaction. God is beyond definition or even explanation. The human mind itself, a creation of God, is unable to wrap itself around its own creator. Now, we can approach the question of who God is by the names God has been assigned. Ancient Judaism named God Yahweh, which means I am. That name was revealed to Moses on Mount Sinai. God is not a being, but being itself. Traditional Judaism recognizes our human puniness in comparison with God by never pronouncing this name. The prohibition of speaking God's name is similar to the prohibition of producing any physical images of God in both Judaism and Islam, and to some extent in Christianity. Because saying God's name or producing a drawing or sculpture of God limits the unlimitable. It takes away from God. Yahweh is the great I am. Fine. But that's not very helpful. How are we to talk about God or even think about God without using a name or creating a picture or mental image even? Religious people have solved this problem by not limiting God to one name, but by using many names which illustrate the many dimensions of God's expression to us and how they experience God. Islam, for example, produced a list of 99 names for God to expand on the familiar Allah. Some of these are the compassionate, the merciful, the holy, the subduer, the sustainer, the all-seeing, the all-hearing, the judge, the just, the loving, the firm one, the king of kings, etc., etc., etc. You see the wide range of descriptors. But the one quality that they all hold in common is that they are all positive attributes of God. Today, I'm going to talk about three names of God used by Christians. And no, I'm not talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the most common Christian identifiers for God. Instead, I'm going to turn to the New Testament letter of 1 John for my names. In this letter, in his letters, John was instructing members of the new Christian faith about how people who knew Jesus Christ, 
could know God, who God was to them. In this letter, John says that God is light, God is justice, and God is love. Now, you may notice that these three names mirror some of the names of God in Islam. God is light. In 1 John 1, 5-10, we read, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Here ends the reading. God is light. What does John mean when he says that? In the creation story, in the book of Genesis, before light comes into the world, there is only a chaotic, formless void. Light gives order, shape, and meaning to existence. God is this organizing light. Without this light, nothing that approaches life is able to exist. Life requires order, which produces meaning and purpose. The light from the sun physically energizes plants, which in turn pass that energy on to animals, including to us. But even saying that God is light means many things. The light that strikes our eyes and registers in our brains is energy which originates in our sun. The sun's energy that comes to us in the form of light is so great as to be unfathomable by us. Yet the sun is only one of trillions of such sources of energy in the universe. Saying that God is light is acknowledging God's infinite, creative, life-giving power. It's why we also say that God is almighty, all-powerful, and awesome. Light is always in tension with darkness, though. The darkness of the world we call evil, and light is good. In the Gospel of John, we find the verse describing God sending Jesus into the world. John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him. Without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into him being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. In God sending his Son into the world, he is sending his own divine light, the divine energy. As God says, nothing can overcome this light. It's always at work, pushing back the darkness. The good is always pushing back the evil.
life is always pushing back at death. There is yet another dimension of light that we discover when we think about the term enlightenment. To enlighten means literally to fill with light. Light in this sense means wisdom and knowledge, both intellectual, moral, and spiritual. Once again, God is light. It is through the indwelling of God that we receive our wisdom and our intellect. We talk about the Enlightenment period on earth when human civilization attained new levels of wisdom. God's light is filling the whole of humanity and still is. Yes, God is this light. God is justice. In John 2.29, we read only one verse. If you know that God is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. Quest for justice is central to every religion on earth, and it always has been. It may seem that justice in earlier historical periods was lacking or brutal, but we encounter many injustices in our own time, in our own country, in our own lives. But justice is central to who we are as God's people and questing for justice. The Old Testament prophet Micah says, part of our walk with the Lord is our dedication to stop doing wrong and learn to do what is right. And the prophet Isaiah says we are to seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. You see, justice is not of human origin, but of divine origin. God is not only just, God is justice itself. It's another part of the nature of God. Now, this is certainly relevant and a cause for reflection in our own time. There's a great call for justice by African Americans, Asian Americans, and Hispanic Americans for racial justice. This has been a struggle for America and Americans since the founding of our country. The institution of slavery was an unjust institution by nature in itself. The American Civil War was fought to root out this injustice. The Battle Hymn of the Republic pictures God at work stamping out injustice because God is justice. We sing, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. This image of trampling out the vintage comes from Isaiah, where a vindictive God is seen trampling on people as though they are grapes in a wine vat. God says, I have trodden the wine press alone, and from the peoples no one was with me. I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my wrath. Their justice spattered on my garments and stained all of my robes. Stains of the grapes is the blood of the recipients of God's wrath. 
The God of justice shows the harsher side of the divine being. God holds his people accountable for the way they behave, especially toward one another. There are consequences, sometimes severe, for being unjust in our treatment of others. How we treat people who we see as different from us, how we treat immigrants or the poor, matters. Because God is justice. We must always maintain a fragile balance between religion and politics, but the two can never be divorced. Civil laws are drawn to reflect our sacred values. Through our acquaintance with our God of justice, we draw guidance to take part in the political sphere. The people we elect to rule our country need to be guided by those core values, we call them, which ultimately come from God. The Ten Commandments are a good example of where God's law intersects with secular law. God is justice. Without knowing God, we are lost in our quest for justice on earth. And that's why the next name of God is so important. And I might say, most important. And that is, God is love. In 1 John 4, 7-12, we read, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. Uh -huh. God loves. Well, we know that. How much? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him may not perish but receive eternal life. God's love is enough to give, God loved us enough to give everything for us, even his son. But more than just loving us, God is love. God, then, is all of these things that Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 13. Listen to it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. Does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. And love never ends. Love is eternal. In adding God is love to our list of God's name, we've really expanded God's divine personality. All of the other divine names must be balanced against this one. Love said, Paul says this is the greatest gift of all. It's the gold standard of divine names. Without the existence of love, all else falls. There is a wonderful implication of these names for God. They are all passed down 
to us and through us. Jesus says in John 14, 19 to 20, In a little while the world no, will no longer see me. But you will see me because I, if I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Jesus says that he is in the Father. He is the embodiment of God. Jesus is light. Jesus is justice. Jesus is love. Further, in knowing Christ, we are given the possibility of embodying God too. We can be light. We can be justice. We can be love to the world. C.S. Lewis paraphrasing Martin Luther, said, we should all be little Christ. Be little Christ. Now, we can say that without being irreverent. And we can also say, we should be little gods to one another. Little gods and all the good things that God contains. We have our marching orders Go out and be a light unto the world. Go out and fight for justice and righteousness. Most of all, go out and love. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you.